2: Mom,
6: Amari,
7: Christian, Skyler, Caitlin, Delaney,
1: Jordan, Antonio,
4: Eddie,
2: and the Tom Sumner Program.
0: Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show.
4: Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and uh, it's Wednesday, which of course means armchair politics is coming up in about an hour for two hours of commentary and analysis about local, state, and national headlines from the world of politics and current events, and uh, Jan Worth Nelson from East Village Magazine will be joining our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki on the left and Henry Hatter on the right. But that's coming up in about an hour. In the meantime, it is uh, the 1st of December and the 1st Wednesday of the month, which is typically when we get together and talk about uh, the economy with economist Chris Douglas from the University of michigan Flint, who joins me by phone. Hi, Chris. Hey, Tom. Great to be here. Um, Let's just talk about, you know, it is, it's December. It's, uh, you know, the... uh, the big time of year for retailers what's going on with retail is it would you call it robust
5: uh yeah i'm not sure what i would call it i suppose it's robust compared to where we were in march 2020 which was not christmas of course but that's when the economy was shut down Uh, but there's all sorts of hiccups with retail we have supply chain issues So it's not clear if people can get what they're ordering for Christmas by the time Christmas gets here. Also, we have inflation, which is currently running at 6% a year, which is about a 30 to 40 year high. Uh, But that's the rise in prices on average. Some prices are rising by more than that. So, for instance, if you look at just the price of goods, not goods and services, but just goods, which is what people, people typically get each other for Christmas. Inflation in goods is 10%. So you're seeing 10% price inflation for goods. People's wages aren't rising by 10%, which means that they're getting a de facto pay cut, um, which might cut into the holiday shopping season. So I'm not really sure I would call things robust right now. I would call things more ambiguous.
4: You know, you mentioned inflation, and that's uh, expected to be in the news in, uh, in the Eurozone. Um, expected to hit a record high in November, and uh, Bank of Korea is raising rates uh, again with an eye on inflation. Has inflation become global Uh, when inflation happens in one country, it's probably happening in others?
5: I don't think there's any guarantee that it'll be global. I think inflation could happen in one country, but not in others. Uh, we've had instances in history where one country's experienced the hyperinflation and that has spilled out to other countries. Uh, the reason why there's inflation is because you have big increases in government spending being financed by big budget deficits. And then the central bank of that country creates money to cover those big budget deficits. That's what's happened in the U.S. if you think about the three rounds of COVID payments that have happened over the last 21 months, essentially the money that was sent people was printed out of thin air. The money supplies doubled over the last 21 months, meaning $1 out of every two ever created was created since March, 2020. Um, So when you create money out of thin air, just give it to people, they try to spend it. Um, That's the textbook way that inflation is created. So it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that there's inflation in the US right now and it's turning out not to be transitory. Um, and I think other countries did something very similar to what the U.S. did during COVID, up to government spending, big budget deficits to cover those budget deficits through, mo- through money creation, and thus other countries are experiencing inflation as well. So that's where inflation comes from. If it's just one country doing it, you would think it would just be that one particular country having inflation. But if everyone's doing it, well, then every country is going to have inflation.
4: Well, and a lot of countries have been forced to do some of the same things that the states have.
5: Yeah. um, If countries shut their economies down and tell people they can't go to work, you kind of have to do something for people because you're saying, well, we're not going to allow you to earn income, but yet you still have bills to pay, groceries to buy, mortgage payments to make, rent payments to make. So if you're not allowing people to work, You have to let them cover the bills somehow, and various states around the world have just decided to send people checks to cover the difference. And those checks were financed by newly created money, which in the long run we know causes inflation. So I think inflation will be here so long as we see big deficit spending by governments around the world and large increases in the money supply by central banks around the world
4: you know for the last um oh what couple of at least the last couple of months you've been talking about home prices and and how they were in better shape than they were you know prior to covid and and certainly with what we experienced back in 2008 but it looks like um Home price growth is is slipping a little bit in September. Um, is is that just prices catching up with themselves?
5: Uh, potentially, I think it's better to look at what's happened to home prices throughout the course of the pandemic um, rather than maybe just a, a one one month thing because that might just be a one off. Um, But prices over the last 20 months for homes around around the country have increased by something by about about a third Um, on average prices are a third higher for a house now compared to February 2020. Um, Again, that's an average. Some parts of the nation you're seeing home prices increase by much more than a third. Some parts of the nation may be less than a third. Uh, so if you're in the market to buy a home um, this is not a great time to buy sure mortgage rates are really low but that's being offset by housing prices being really high if you own a house if you had the good fortune of buying a house before the pandemic you've enjoyed some home price appreciation as a sense that your house is worth a third more now than it was before the pandemic uh, which makes you wealthier um, as a result you know that gives you some more flexibility in terms of spending money. If you sold your house, you could earn a nice capital gain on that house. Although the pro- the problem with selling your house is now you've got to figure out some place to live. And if house prices are up by a lot, you know, selling a house for a big profit doesn't do a whole lot. We have to turn around and buy a house for a, an inflated price. But I think the concern is, will house prices level off at this higher level? Or will they start to decline like we saw back in 2007 and 2008? And we knew that that was just a big problems back then. And the last thing we need right now is to throw in a housing crisis on top of everything else that's going on.
4: You know, Chris, there are two things that um, I, kind of are, are working sort of against each other, um, I, I'm, I'm reading in the, in the Wall Street Journal that the U.S. recovery uh, is accelerating on jobs and, and spending growth um, as, as we head into the end of the year. But at the same time, um, in September, workers in some parts of the U.S. resigned at a rate of 4.4 million jobs. And it it seems hard for me to imagine 4.5 million people walking away from their jobs and jobs growing.
5: Yeah, I agree. Um, that's why even right now when you look at total employment in the U.S., Um, compared to what it was before COVID, there's about 3.5 million fewer jobs right now compared to February, 2020. So when the shutdown happens March and April, 2020, uh, 20 million jobs just evaporate. And what that means is that we haven't even regained all 20 million jobs that have been lost. You know, we're still 3.5 million jobs short compared to where we were before COVID. So certainly if people are walking away from their jobs, um, that's going to make it that much harder to catch up to where the economy was in February 2020 before all this began. And you can see that with um, the monthly job creation numbers where, you know, last, last month job creation was pretty robust, something like half a million new jobs were created. But in the months before that, you're seeing job creation numbers of a couple hundred thousand per month. And that's what you would expect if the economy is already, you know, fairly normal. If you go back to like 2018 or 2019, when the economy is at full employment, you'd expect maybe a couple hundred thousand jobs being created each month just much, month just due to population growth, economic growth and so forth. But when the economy is emerging out of a deep recession where lots of jobs were lost, you'd expect job growth to be much more robust than that. I think a big unanswered question, and I'm kind of surprised this is so under-investigated, is why are people walking away from their jobs? At, like you said, to the tune of maybe 4 million workers um, in the last jobs report.
4: Well, and at the same um, time, U.S. Uh, jobless claims are at a 52-year low.
5: Right. Um, so under 200,000 people filed for unemployment for the very first time which I guess is not that surprising because if you voluntarily quit your job, you're not eligible for unemployment. You're only really eligible for unemployment if you get fired or well, if that you makes laid sense. off. Um, but the question I would have is, well, sure, you read articles like in the Washington Post, I believe, this was a few months ago, that, says, that said that uh, the pandemic has caused people to rethink work well. That's all well and good. Um, even before the pandemic, surveys suggested that most Americans didn't like their jobs. Something like 70% of Americans felt like unfulfilled at work. You know, That's not a real flash that most people don't like their jobs. Um, so maybe the pandemic made, made people wanna rethink work, but at the end of the day, there's bills to be paid. So you have to make a mortgage payment, you have to buy groceries, you have to buy other essentials. So if people aren't working, um, how are they making those ends meet? Um, I think that's a big unanswered question.
4: Well, Chris, we've got a break coming up here in about a minute, and uh, I'll give you a little time to, to think about what some of the things that you've been following are, and we'll get into that. My guest is uh, Chris Douglas, economist, uh, and uh, he's from the University of michigan flint He joins us the first Wednesday of every month to And I'll give us a little overview about what's going on and interpret the headlines in the economy a little bit for us. And and don't forget, coming up at uh, the top of the hour, we uh, assemble our political roundtable for armchair politics. If you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 LPFM, our Voices radio Flint. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions. And my good friend Paul Herring, we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse. We'll be back with more right after this
2: hello out uh, there everybody it's me tigger ti double that spells tigger and don't forget to remember to listen to tom Sumner's program
1: on account of because he's so bouncy <laughs>
2: From
1: Alicia,
6: Elena, Gabriella, Erica.
2: And the Tom Sumner Program.
7: This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program
4: welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with economist Chris Douglas from the University of Michigan-Flint, who joins me by phone. Chris, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. And as always, sorry to make you sit through all that.
5: Oh, no worries. <laughs> it's always great to be here, Tom. Um,
4: we just sort of parenthetically mentioned uh, the, the holiday season coming up because of some of the supply shortages. But one of the things that people have been talking about is um, – that a lot more purchasing is being done online as opposed to in stores and in foot traffic. Does that have a big impact on, on how retailers end up the year, whether people do their shopping online or in person?
5: I think so. So this is a lot like other things we've seen during the pandemic and that the pandemic accelerated. That were already happening, in the sense that uh, more and more shopping was shifting from brick and mortar shopping malls to online, and that really sped up over the last twenty-one months. And I suspect that when the final numbers come out for this holiday season, you're going to see a record amount of holiday shopping taking place online uh, versus in person. So. I'm sure you and your listeners have heard the term Black Friday. I mean, who hasn't? Of course. Um, The day after Thanksgiving, which is the biggest shopping day of the year. Um, The reason why it's called Black Friday is because this is probably apocryphal, but it still has some truth to it. It's thought that retailers are in the red, meaning earning a loss up up to that day. But then shopping on that day is so heavy that that's enough to turn retailers from being in the red to in the black and turning a profit and but how much they any- and
4: how much they make for the year determines on spending between that date and and Christmas really or the end yeah, of the year
5: yeah and and just retailers have to be profitable just to keep the lights on um, so if black friday disappears or if it shifts online you're just going to see more and more brick and mortar retailers Um, just permanently turned the lights off. Well, and and that,
4: you know, I'm glad you mentioned that, Chris, because one of the things that got my attention was the announcement that this would probably be the last uh, holiday season for um, Sears and Kmart.
5: Yeah, the last Kmart um, in Marshall, Michigan, just closed its doors, I think right before Thanksgiving. So a company that started in Michigan that used to have its headquarters in Michigan no longer has any stores in Michigan. Does Kmart have any retail stores anywhere um, in any other state? I don't know. I have a check. There are a few, surprised. but
4: apparently there was some kind of a, some kind of a merging with Sears uh, between Sears and Kmart, and it, and it looks like the, the whole group is, is going to shut down after this season
5: yeah yeah it seems like for the last decade it seemed like sears and kmart were going to shut down they always seemed to kind of scrape by or there would be just rounds and rounds of store closures but always some stores would remain so it wouldn't surprise me at all if after this year um sears and kmart just completely disappear are those particular
4: outlets just becoming obsolete or are we going to see some other are, are you anticipating some other bricks-and-mortar operations uh, to go by the wayside in, in lieu of um, online shopping?
5: No, I think, um, sadly, those retailers are just obsolete. If you think about what Sears was back in Sears' glory days, you know, Sears was the Amazon.com before Amazon.com was a thing. Uh, if you go back to the 1920s and throughout, you know, the 80s and even to the 90s, uh, the Sears catalog was a big deal. You would get the Christmas catalog every year. Um, your listeners can you go to a website called WishbookWeb.net, and you could look at old Sears Christmas catalogs uh, from years gone by, which is kind of cool to do. Uh, but Sears sold everything: um, clothing, toys, appliances. And I mean, famously, you could buy a house from Sears. You could order a house from the Sears catalog. It would be delivered, and you would just set it up. You could find websites that would have pictures of Sears houses that still exist today that people assembled. So Sears was really the Amazon before Amazon. But the problem was, um, starting in the mid-'90s, um, online shopping starts becoming a thing, and Sears just ignores it. You know, they think that, well, we've got the catalog. We'll have the catalog forever. Turns out that's not the case. And then... Amazon steps in to fill that big void that Sears left because they ignored online retailing. So catalog shopping's obsolete. And hence, since Sears never evolved past catalog shopping, I think Sears is obsolete as well. Um, Kmart, um, they never really evolved past selling discount consumer goods.
4: No, I was telling this story um, last week uh, with uh, Paul and Henry that, um, when the the first store opened in Flint in sixty two or sixty three, the first Kmart store, my dad would go out of his way making excuses of why he had to go there in the evening because Kmart's thing, their big claim to fame. and I don't know if you would uh, if you go back that far chris or or if you would even remember or had have read about this somewhere, but Kmart was the first. Sort of big box store to expand hours retailers were all closed at five o'clock until Kmart came along and they stayed open till eight or nine o'clock in the evening. My dad thought that was the coolest thing ever and um and then of course, all kinds of places started you know it it expanded to twenty four hours a day in some in some operations like Myers did that for many years walmart but um but that was their specialty was expanding their hours well everybody's doing that now so they didn't they don't really stand out for that
5: yeah that's right i didn't know that about kmart that's really interesting so thanks for sharing that um i know they're they're also known for selling discounted goods too with the famous blue light special but (laughs) everyone kind of does that now too right so I, I remember going to Kmart quite a bit as a kid in the 80s and the 90s. Um, I grew up in a small town where Kmart was like the big store, so I spent a lot of time shopping at Kmart with my parents. And you can just kind of see Kmart never evolved. Um, the complaint I always heard about Kmart was there were very few cash registers open. Um, that always seemed to be the case, that no matter when you went to Kmart, there was only one register open and there's a huge line. <laughs> and the registers never even had a conveyor belt. Um so that just kind of seems really backward, too. Those are pretty small examples, but I think it shows that. You know, Kmart never figured out how to innovate past you know, their big innovation in the 1960s. And as a result, that leaves the door wide open for competitors who are innovating. Um, Walmart sells discount goods, but they sell lots of other things, too. Groceries, auto service. Um, so, you know, Kmart doesn't have a niche in that regard. Target's a big box store, but Target is a very unique store that they sell unique goods um, which sets them apart from the competition so the question Kmart could never answer is why should somebody go to Kmart rather than those other stores or just ordering the same thing from amazon.com you, you don't have to stand in line for the one cash register that's open you, know, you don't have to go to a store that hasn't been updated since the 1980s you just click a couple of buttons and the thing shows up the next day or two days later from Amazon so I think that's why you're seeing Kmart disappear and you're not gonna see anything step in to replace it unless someone figures out a new way to innovate your know, big box brick and mortar retail. And that's a real problem because I think there were something like 68 Kmarts around the state. I might be wrong about that. Maybe it's 168, the exact number doesn't matter. There was just a lot of Kmart way back in the day. and Kmart's took up a lot of square footage. So if all these Kmarts disappearing, cities around michigan have to figure out well what do we do with this decaying big box outlet this big box store along with just acres and acres of paved parking it's just a total eyesore you know, right in the middle of these cities and i think i read some re-
4: i think i read somewhere chris that uh, um a kmart plaza in grand Blanc or grand blank township is uh, refitting to become um, kind of an office park.
5: Um, yeah, the one at Grand Blanc is being, it, it has been purchased and it's going to be redeveloped. Um, so that's great, uh, but it's taken a decade for that to happen. Yeah, that, that's and over the, the point. Of the decade, <laughs> and there are
4: hundreds a- of other stores in small towns and well, in big towns around the country.
5: You could just drive around Genesee County and see that. Um, Dort Highway, there used to be a Kmart. Now that's the Dort Mall. I don't. I think it might be like indoor storage, like an indoor storage facility. There's also one on Miller Road that used to be a Kmart, I believe, kind of the same thing. Clio had a Kmart that I think turned into like an indoor go-kart track. Um, but the town I grew up in Oscoda, Michigan, had a Kmart, and that's just sitting vacant. So there's this big vacant retail shop outside of town with a couple of acres of paved parking that's just going to get overgrown and an eyesore and how long is it going to sit there before someone figures out what to do with it and you're just seeing that problem all across Michigan you know, with big box retailing kind of becoming a thing of the past you know, what do people do with all these unused facilities that are just, you know, just going to be an unsightly thing to have right in the middle of town.
4: Is there, um, is there a possible shift for in person shopping from big box stores back to smaller businesses, mom and pop, local businesses?
5: I think so because you can't really replicate that too well online. If you want something more niche, you know something more unique, you know there's Etsy, which has a lot of handcrafted products. Um, but Amazon's not going to really sell a specialized product that a mom and pop shop might sell. So for things like maybe custom clothing, you know, custom consumer goods, more local products, I think you're seeing people's tastes or preferences shift to things that are made and grown locally. Things like farmer's markets, um, items such as that, I think you're going to see brick and mortar. Try to come back for those items, but it's not going to require the square footage that a Kmart used to occupy. So I think that's great for downtowns. That you know, downtowns might be a place to go walk around, shop, grab a bike, eat again, which would be great, but it doesn't answer the question like, what do you do with this you know, 10,000 foot square foot Kmart building that's just sitting at the edge of town falling apart.
4: We've been hearing a lot about, uh, you know, the the ports of entry being backed up with with ships and and um, shipping containers and so on. And there's been a, a real hassle getting enough people employed to to get that stuff moved. In fact, at one point. <laughs> the president rightly or wrongly was suggesting that we might consider using the National Guard to help break up the logjam but um, is that likely to um, have a big impact on how people might gift give are we gonna see an explosion in gift cards as opposed to trying to get individual items
5: It could be. It's always hard to predict how consumers will respond to unprecedented hiccups like this. So gift cards is a possibility. Uh, Maybe consumers switch and buy um, gifts that are made locally. So rather than ordering something from a retailer who has to import it from China, maybe purchase something from a local craftsman where you could buy the item right away, that's a possibility too. Or what I've had happen before Christmas's past, where an it item back ordered, you would wrap a box and there's a picture of the item that says, <laughs> Well, in six months, here's what you could expect. That's a possibility, too. Yeah. So it's hard to know exactly how consumers will respond, but um, certainly there are going to be hiccups if you are ordering Christmas presents that are manufactured in China. What that about? Back to something we've talked
1: what
4: about people that are shopping locally and getting individualized gifts for people and then have to ship them around the country to different states or different cities? Um, is, is, is that going to be slow as
5: well? Uh, probably. Um, it certainly was last year. Um, there were delays in the postal system last year, I can remember, where something that should take a few days to get delivered might have taken a few weeks. Um, just because people were shipping so many items um, in that Christmas season. Um, especially during that season, there wasn't a vaccine yet. so And there was no travel,
4: up. you know, where people would have loaded up the car with goodies and driven to Grandma's house and met with other members of the family. Um, that wasn't going on, so all of those items were being shipped.
5: Yeah, that's right. So if I had to make a prediction, which is always hard to make, Um, I would say that you would expect delays in the postal system this Christmas, but maybe fewer delays compared to last year. So somewhere between normal times of what it was like last year. But the labor shortage throws a big hiccup into that because I'm sure the postal system is short on workers just like everyone else is. So, you know, maybe there's a slightly smaller volume of packages this year compared to last year, but if there's even fewer workers this year than last year, so that'll lead to hiccups too. So we're just in these unprecedented economic times where, you know, we have fewer workers, we have people shopping online more than ever, we have the supply chain issues, we have inflation. It's just really hard to see how all of this irons out. I think things will just be bumpier, um, certainly than what we were used to before COVID.
4: What are some of the things that have been getting your attention in the economic headlines this last uh, month or so.
5: So inflation is the big one. We kind of talked about that earlier, and that inflation is running at a you know thirty to forty year high, um six percent inflation right now compared to the two percent inflation that we're used to um, for the last you know twenty five, thirty years. So sometimes it's not appreciated the difference between 2% and 6% inflation, because six sounds so close to two. Uh, But there is a big difference between those two rates of inflation. So inflation just says, hey, what rate are prices growing each year? 6% inflation says prices are growing by 6%. Um, There's a famous relationship in finance called the rule of 70, where if you take 70 divided by the rate that something is growing by, that will tell you approximately how long it will take that something to double in value. So with two percent inflation what that says is prices are doubling every 70 divided by two or 35 years which means the dollar today will be worth 50 cents 35 years down the road with two percent inflation well that's not great but i suppose at least it's predictable but with six percent inflation what that says is well prices are doubling every 70 divided by six or roughly every 12 years so that says is well Twelve years down the road, not 35 years down the road, but 12 years down the road, a dollar will be worth 50 cents. Then another 12 years down the road, past that, a dollar will be worth 25 cents. And then 12 years down the road past that, a dollar will be worth 12 and a half cents. So what that says is 6% inflation. 35 years down the road, one dollar is worth 12 and a half cents. With 2% inflation, 35 years down the road, a dollar is worth 50 cents. So, just that seemingly small increase in the rate of inflation just much more quickly erodes the purchasing power of a dollar over a relatively small amount of time. You know, 35 years is not that far down into the future. So, you know, that's got my attention, certainly. Um, And given that inflation comes from, in my view at least, rapid increases in government spending being financed by rapid increases in the money supply. I don't expect inflation to go away until government spending gets under control and money supply growth starts to slow down, and I don't see the political will anywhere to make those things happen. So I'm expecting inflation to be a problem next year and the year after that until the general public just gets fed up with it like they did in the 1970s and says, well, let's elect a president who's going to appoint a chair of the Federal Reserve who's going to get this thing under control. Kind of like Carter that Reagan did with Paul Volcker. So I think that's the big thing I'm looking at. And then another thing I'm looking at is labor market shortages. Um, Mm -hmm. There are 10 million unfilled jobs right now. Um, You know, that's 3 million more unfilled jobs that we would expect with the economies operating normally. Because even a normal economy, like before COVID, you've got people quitting their jobs, getting fired. So there's always job openings. Normal economy, you might see like 7 million jobs or so open at a given month. And now we've got over 10 million jobs open you know with' about 50 percent more open jobs that we would expect so if there's all these open jobs you're just going to see hiccups everywhere um, services are going to be slow at restaurants it's going to take a long time to get your packages delivered you know if you fly you might have to wait longer at baggage check because there's fewer clerks than before it's just like all the stuff we took for granted in the economy before covid we can't really take for granted any longer you know how long that persists while well, we're 21 months past COVID. I'm starting to think that, you know, this is going to persist for a long time. Well, well the a and, long answer, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking about. And,
4: and just finally, and we only have a couple of minutes left, um, Chris, but how is Wall Street reacting to this, this apparent manifestation of a possible fourth wave of COVID brought
5: about by a new variant? Yeah, so the market dropped a thousand points. I'm kind of surprised about that. Um, I think it's because there was a lot of irresponsible reporting about the Omicron variant. So Wall Street might have thought that well all these restrictions that were in place twenty one months ago are coming back thanks to this new variant. But now it turns out that South African health the South African Health Ministry says, Well, you know, the cases we've detected have been very mild. Well, that suggests that this the initial reporting of the Omicron variant was much more hysterical, for lack of a better word, than what the situation justified, which caused maybe a market overreaction. So assuming the South African Health Ministry is correct, I would expect the market to not suffer further losses um, with this variant. But who knows what other variant could be coming down the road. Um, If there really is a variant that could evade vaccines or has a higher case fatality ratio than current variants, that's not usually how variants work, but who knows at this point. Well, what we saw happen with Wall Street last week just suggests that, while well, we could expect a big market correction if we get a really serious variant at some point in the future, which is, like we've talked about before, markets just really hate uncertainty. So that just introduces all this uncertainty into the market, which could cause issues in the stock market.
3: Well,
4: Chris, we're going to have to end it there. But as always, it's, it's such a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks so much for spending this time and your expertise with me and the listeners this morning.
5: It's always great to be here, Tom. As the time always flies by when we get to talk, and so I will <laughs> look forward to talking with you in 2022. It's a bit hard to believe it'll be 2022 by then.
4: I know, right? Well, and and uh, and and we'll carry on into the new year. Thanks, Chris. Uh,
5: you're welcome. Take care, Tom. Bye-bye.
4: That was economist Chris Douglas from the University of Michigan Flint, and he generally joins us uh, on the first Wednesday of every month.
5: I've got £90,000 in my pyjamas, I've got 40000 French francs in my fridge, I've got lots of lovely lira, now the Deutsche Mark's getting dearer, and my dollar bills will buy the Brooklyn Bridge.
0: There is nothing quite as wonderful as money,
6: there is nothing quite as beautiful as cash, some people say it's folly, but I'd rather have the lolly, with money you can make a splash. There is nothing,
5: nothing
6: quite as wonderful
0: money. as
2: money, 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 money. Nothing, nothing like a new limited. Money, money,
6: money, money, everyone money. Everyone must hanker for the
0: bunchness of a banker. It's a countenance that makes the world go round, round, round. You can keep oh, your Marxist oh, ways, but it's only just oh, a it's oh, just oh, ways, oh, money, 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 money makes the world go. Oh, no. Money, 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 money,
2: money, money, money. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Highlands, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. Start your weekend early with Tom
4: Sumner program every Friday live at eleven. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment, featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood.
3: Hi, this is Greg Nagy.
4: Hey, this is Harper. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue
1: Highlands.
2: Hi, Lance. this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis.
1: Hi, this is Rochelle Ray.
2: Hi there, are folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office.
1: I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. do do Start
4: your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program.
7: Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean. To wash them regularly and always before meals with Lifebuoy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit.
3: Form it yourself.
7: Or call the Foot River Watershed Coalition at 810 767
0: 6490 The Time
7: of Summer program.com Happy Holidays!
2: From... And the Tom Sumner
8: Program.
2: Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom
8: Sumner Program.
0: Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
6: Type of song is the Christmas Carol, although it is perhaps a bit out of season at this time. However, I am informed by my disc jockey friends, of whom I have none, that uh, in order to get a song popular by Christmas time, you have to start plugging it well in advance. So here goes. It's always seemed to me, after all, that Christmas, with its spirit of giving, offers us all a wonderful opportunity each year to reflect on what we all most sincerely and deeply believe in. I refer, of course, to money. And yet. Yet none of the Christmas carols that you hear on the radio or in the street even attempt to capture the true spirit of Christmas uh, as we celebrate it in the United States. That is to say, the commercial spirit. So I should like to offer the following Christmas carol for next year as being perhaps a bit more appropriate. time is here by golly disapproval would be folly deck the halls with hunks of holly fill the cup and don't say when kill the turkeys ducks and chickens mix the punch drag out the dickens even though the prospect sickens brother here we go again on Christmas Day, you can't get sore. Your fellow man you must adore. There's time to rob him all the more. The other three hundred and a six, a tea, of four. Relations, sparing no expense, so send some useless old utensil. Or a matching pen and pencil, just the thing I need. How nice. It doesn't matter how sincere it is, nor how heartfelt the spirit. Sentiment will not endear it, what's important is the price. Bark the Herald Tribune sings, advertising wondrous things. God rest ye merry merchants, may ye make the Yuletide pay. Angels we have heard on high Tell us to go out and buy So let the raucous sleigh bells jingle Hail our dear old friend Kris Kringle Driving his reindeer across the sky Don't stand underneath when they fly by
3: (laughs)
2: This
0: was another Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
3: The first thing at Christmas that's such a pain to me Is finding a Christmas tree The second thing at
0: Christmas that's such a pain to me rigging up
2: the lights, and finding a Christmas tree. The third thing at Christmas that's such a pain to me. Hangovers, rigging up the lights, and finding a Christmas tree. The fourth thing at Christmas that's such a pain to me. Sending
7: Christmas cards. Hangovers,
2: rigging up the lights, and finding a Christmas tree. The fifth
0: that's such a pain to me Five
2: months
5: of bills Sending Christmas cards
2: Hangovers Ricking up the lights And finding a Christmas
3: tree The sixth thing at Christmas That's such a pain
2: to me Facing my in-laws. Five months of
5: bills I hate those Christmas cards
2: Hangovers
3: RIGGING UP THESE LIGHTS! AND FINDING A CHRISTMAS
7: TREE THE SEVENTH THING AT CHRISTMAS THAT'S SUCH A PAIN TO ME it's STILL MADE YOU NONI FACING MY in-laws.
0: FIVE MONTHS
2: OF BILLS Bending CHRISTMAS CARDS OH, jeez, I'M TRYING TO RIG UP THESE LIGHTS! AND FINDING A CHRISTMAS TREE
6: THE EIGHTH THING AT CHRISTMAS THAT'S SUCH A PAIN TO ME I WANT RIDGE FARMER BUT Charities? And what do you
7: mean you're in-laws? Five months of
2: bills
7: Ah, making out these cards Uh, You just get me up here, huh? Well, we have no extension
2: cords! finding a Christmas tree The ninth thing at Christmas that's
0: such a pain
7: to me Finding parking spaces
0: Daddy, I want some candy! Donations! Facing my in-laws Five
7: months of bills both Christmas cards. Hangovers?
2: Now, why the hell are they blinking? And finding a Christmas tree.
6: The tenth thing at Christmas that's such a pain to me. Batteries not included. No parking spaces. Buy me something! Get a job, you
8: bum. Oh,
2: facing me in laws. Five months of
6: bills. Yo,
7: Christmas card. Oh, jeez, look at this. One light goes out, they all go out. And finding a Christmas tree. The
6: eleventh thing at Christmas that's such a pain to me.
7: Still TV special. Battery's not included. No parking spaces. Oh my God,
6: those are Charities. She's
7: the witch, I hate her. Five months of bathrooms. Pay-
5: no half-based people! Oh,
0: uh, who's got the charolet paper Get hat? a flashlight and Blue a fuse! the Christmas tree The 12th thing at Christmas
1: that's such a thing to me
2: Singing Christmas carols Still <laughs> <laughs> TV specials
1: Battery's not included No parking!
4: Heyyy... <laughs>
7: Charities!
4: Gotta make them dinner Five months of dinner I'm not sending
7: them this year, is it! Shut up, you! Man, you're so smart. You ring up the
2: lights. Santa's
6: finding the Christmas tree. Christmas is sure to fail. Santa is stuck in jail.
1: Up there on that rooftop, you
2: ain't
6: got no ID. where well, you're gonna have to come along with me. Christmas is sure to fail. Santa is stuck in jail. Miss Claus freaked, and the elves are on the street trying to raise money for bail. Christmas is sure to fail if we can't get Santa out of jail. So they took him to the judge in the middle of the night And the judge said, yeah, I think you're nuts, all right But I'll give you one chance to prove me wrong Make me believe you're the real Santa Claus And if you can do that right Well, I'll let you sleep it up at home tonight, yeah
1: (laughs) Santa hunkered
4: down low And he put his finger on the side of his nose
3: started humming Christmas carols real he said when you were five years old your name was Greg you left me milk and cookies and a note that said
1: dear Santa all I really want is a puppy i love him forever and I'll name him Buddy and so you
3: did for
1: 15
3: years till Buddy passed away and you cried many tears and you lost your faith like so many do but I got a little something to tell you that's true I love you Never really goes away, and it all comes back on Christmas Day. So here's a little something that I wanna give to you And Santa handed him a puppy named Buddy Jr. Oh. Well, hey what the
0: judge say Yeah man,
6: don't thing Well the judge sat back and his face turned white Started quivering. There were tears in his eyes. He looked at that puppy wrapped up in his sleeve and said, Good God.
7: to all and to all a good night The time summer The
2: time
0: summer
8: we wish you a merry Christmas from a
2: dumb